knows how to play poker. 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 But do you know how to play poker well? Well, get ready to talk poker strategy with the people who run the games. Hear interviews with the stars. Get information on when to play, where to play, and how to play better poker. Poker. This is Poker Action Live, a weekly poker show with your hosts, Big Dave Lemon and Joe Rodriguez. And welcome once again, everyone, to another edition of the show. Appreciate you uh, picking us up wherever you get the show, whether it's on SoundCloud or on Hold'em Radio Network or all the other venues where you can pick up your podcasts. Uh, Stitcher, good place as well, and uh, certainly a lot of stuff out there. The old uh, standby iTunes, good place to download your podcast as well. And, of course, you can always rate the show and uh, offer a few comments for us. We'd appreciate it if you would do that. But... Uh, uh, we're back for another edition of the show, and certainly looking forward to uh, tonight's uh, action. A lot of stuff going on out there in the world of poker. Tomorrow, as we do the show here uh, on April the 4th, tomorrow is the first day of the Seminole Hard Rock Showdown. Uh, eighth year for that. Uh, it's a pretty amazing. Uh, I can remember Joe way back <laughs> when we uh, when I walked into Hard Rock Live, which is like their concert venue. Uh, it is a big uh, a kind of a square arena. And uh, where they normally put the stage was where uh, some of the decorations and stuff were. But uh, I can remember that they had like probably about 75 tables set up. (laughs) And uh, it was interesting because, you know, it was the first really major tournament that was some some kind of national uh, setup. And... uh, uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, you know, it's, of course, the first of a major step that the Hard Rock took to uh, bring uh, regular tournament poker here. And uh, it was uh, it was great right from the beginning. And it's only grown since then. Yeah. So <laughs> this should be – this. it really is amazing. And, you know, I think we mentioned it way back then, Dave, that, you know, once once they once they dip their toe in that water, yeah. if they wanted to, they could become the uh, <laughs> the the – 900-pound gorilla in the room, and that's exactly what they've become down here. Yeah, so I'm going to spend some time over there. I know that the next uh, three days will be the uh, opening event uh, as it gets underway over there. It's a, uh, a smaller tournament, but one of those ones where they have like six opening days, so they have this huge field and a big uh, guarantee. So we're looking forward to it. The main event is not until April the 13th. And that will run like a total of five days, and uh, certainly we'll look forward to that as well. Main event is a $3 million guarantee, but everything kicks kicks off tomorrow. And uh, a lot of, uh, I don't know if you've ever tried any of these satellites or anything over there, but really there's a lot of good opportunities to get in very cheaply to some of these events. Uh, The opening event, by the way, is a $1 million guarantee for a 570 buy-in. Pretty good. Have they mentioned what their satellites are? They have a whole satellite schedule here. For instance, uh, Turbo Mega Satellite for eighty dollars, you can get in. You can, you know, they got other ones with more seats available. Uh, one out of every ten players for a two hundred dollar satellite buy-in. Uh, I think you there's two seats guaranteed in the eighty dollar buy-in tournament, which uh, starts tomorrow at nine a.m. So you go over there you, for breakfast. Uh, you get in a satellite at 9 a.m., and by 11 o'clock, you could uh, be stepping into uh You could be stepping the main. into the main event. Yeah, well, actually, the first event. But, first uh, event, excuse me. But uh, they do have a WP, uh, uh, T- WPT Deep Stacks event. In fact, it was the one that was actually canceled back in September in Immokalee. And when you talked about that last week on the show, that uh, they never really opened that poker room, as far as I know. Uh, I do know that they have abandoned poker there at that uh, it's a small uh, venue kind of out in the middle of nowhere in the middle of the state of florida but uh, but they have eliminated poker there but there's a lot of stuff for instance for example tomorrow at 11 a.m starts the first of six sessions for that uh, 570 buy-in uh, then at also at 11 the same time the seniors event is there so uh, if you make any last minute decision to go play that it's uh, tomorrow at 11 uh, 300 buy-in for that and uh, certainly, uh, you know, a lot of different stuff you can do. Uh, PLO starts on Friday. Or not PLO, uh, Omaha 8 or Better, which is an 11 a.m. start, $300 buy-in. And then there's a PLO tournament on Saturday. So all these smaller events open up. So if you go to play the main and you don't make one of the other days, then you can uh, you can get into something else and try it. Well, let me tell you, they, they do a, a beautiful job of setting all of these things up. 
And um, let me tell you, uh, it is wonderful that they have all these different satellites, all these different venues that you can get yourself into. And, um, you know, like, like you said, there's a lot of opportunities if you really want to play over there at the Seminoles. I think I might go over there Friday, check it out, because they have a new event center, which is like their new uh, concert room and, and stuff. And uh, they are uh, opening that up for this tournament, and uh, it'll be the first time that they have a big poker tournament in there. But no more ballrooms and stuff. So, uh, you know, looking forward to seeing what, what, how that looks and uh, what it changes about the, the, the venue. Well, we'll be looking forward to your to your uh, <laughs> reportage. Your reportage next week. <laughs> anyway, uh, a few things to talk about tonight uh, as we do the show. Um, the main event at Planet Hollywood got done uh, the other day over the weekend, actually, and a local South Florida player was a winner, uh, Ben Zamani. Uh, Ben's from uh, Boca Raton, and he has a couple of uh, WSOP bracelets to his credit, but this is his first circuit ring. Uh, won the main event over there at uh, Planet Hollywood out in Las Vegas. Uh, really tough final table, which included uh, Joseph Chong, who had won an earlier wow. event. He won the high roller, the $2,200 high roller. So Joseph playing well. Dylan Wilkerson, Barry Hutter, who's also from South Florida, um, not originally, but uh, moved to Hollywood a few years ago. And 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 he is uh, he was in the in the final rundown there. So. Um, certainly, uh, you know, looking forward to uh, seeing some of these local players and how they'll do this summer at the at the at the, uh, the seven weeks in Rio. But we know that we have a ton of great players. Uh, he uh, Zamani wins 192,000 for first place. Uh, there were 610 entries in that main event, 1675 buy-in, and they had just under a million dollars in the prize pool. Uh, talk a little bit about that later, but the. Emerging player out of this whole event was uh, a fellow named Samuel Lee, who cashed in four of the last five events, uh, won his first circuit ring. The first one that he cashed in was his first ever circuit ever. ring, uh, and it was also his first ever circuit cash, and then he goes on to cash three of the next four tournaments, including two where he made the final table. And it's funny because, Dave, let me tell you something. Normally, I'd be surprised, but knowing how, you know, how I've seen this with other people, how it's been with me, you're kind of like in that poker zone uh, when you win that first one, and, and especially if you get an opportunity to jump right back in again into another tournament right after that. And, you know, again, cards still have to come your way. You have to make the right moves when you're looking at your hand and playing against uh, the, your, the other opponents, but... For some reason, you just seem to be in, in that zone. And right. Listen, it, 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 it's it's surprising, but it doesn't surprise me. Right. So congratulations to that gentleman. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we'll see a lot of him this summer as well. Uh, both those players also uh, earned a seat in the WSOP Global Casino Championship, which is uh, later in the year. Uh, a few other things I want to talk about tonight. Uh, went over to the aisle, and they have a new... Uh, Poker Room Director, we'll talk about that a little bit, uh, maybe try to get him on the show if possible. I certainly want to write something Annie up about him. Uh, his name is Ken Lambert. I don't know. Um, my my editors over at Annie Up Magazine, Scott Long and uh, Chris Casenza, uh, both were very familiar with him, uh, dealing with him over the years, and he's a longtime veteran, including uh, a stint as the tournament director for the World Series of Poker. Um, maybe about uh, 12, 13 years ago, also ran the Heartland Poker Tour for a while. So uh, He definitely seems like he has an impressive resume. Yeah, there, so we'll see what happens. Good uh, luck to you, Kenny. There was a serious move toward uh, the taking care of the, the smaller player uh, in, the, in the regime of uh, Stan Strickland before he left. Uh, we'll see if that continues and is expanded or if they'll uh, go back to some of the old ways uh, under Mike Smith. Uh, you know, there's probably room for both. Uh, I don't know what you think about that. If Can you have a lot of smaller tournaments? Does that upset the bigger players? Well, it's not so much that they upsets them. It's, you know, they remember we've always talked about how many different tournaments there are going around the country and even around the world at, at all times, um, you know, I guess Stan's point of view was that uh, they may not be able to compete with uh, with the you know the Hard Rock and Coconut Creek uh, you know uh, 
both of those properties, you know, obviously <laughs> having the deep pockets that they have um, and being so close to the aisle, you know. But I, I think that poker players, like I said, are pretty loyal. We've always mentioned how Mike Smith had all those other great ones. They were, I think, the first ones in the, in the state to have a million-dollar guarantee tournament. People don't forget that. You know, they don't forget the fact that these people, you know, that the aisle management put on these tournaments for them. Right. And I think you're right. I think when you mentioned at the beginning of this conversation that uh, can we have both, I think that's probably a, a, a way to go where you kind of gear for one big one a year or one every six months and then, you know, have that met by decent size, you know, smaller ones, you know, the two, three, four, five hundred dollar buy in tournaments that the the smaller player can play in and if you know, some of the bigger people want to kinda practice a little bit, they can play in those. But um you know, Ken needs to find the niche. You know, this is a different market than anywhere else in the country. Yeah, absolutely. Dave. Absolutely. And I'm sure Stan found that out really quick. Right. No question. Uh, some of the other events during the Battles at the Beach, which was a very successful series once again, uh, included uh, a $360 buy-in event uh, that our friend that has done the show with us a few times, Michael Tate from Parkland, uh, finished third. From what I hear, he had a big chip lead going into the final table and, and eventually uh, ended up finishing in third. Uh, Josh Hillick, who he also had on the pro uh, the show before, finished uh, on top in that one uh, during the chop, and collected seventeen thousand. But uh, uh, a lot of nice tournaments, and uh, you know Jerry Wong was uh, won a big event. It was a twenty five hundred dollars single ante tournament. It was event eighteen that attracted a lot of big name players, locals here, including Neil Blumenfield and uh, uh, T J Shulman. Ian O'Hara and Richard Kirsch and uh, a lot of local people. Steve Carp played in that event also, Daryl Jace. So a lot of these great players that play here on a regular basis have a place to go to uh, to play in these big tournaments in between the top series that they might have to travel for. Exactly, and and that's probably why Florida, I believe in, in, in short order, is going to become the poker place in this country because of the weather because of the availability of all the different rooms, these tournaments, you know, um, I, I believe right now it, it's it's already fighting for number one in the country. Yeah. You know, with, with the style of play, the players that we have down here. I mean, really, you know, you you can't beat you can't beat this weather down here, and you can't beat the action that you're getting for all of this. Absolutely. Now, you know, I know over the last few weeks you've been mentioning us a couple, a lot of the little different local tournaments and everything else. Have you seen uh, the the grinder or his brother Rob playing yeah, any of these? Yeah. Because I, I haven't heard you mention him. I know you go over the reports. Well, grinder grinder played at uh, and went fairly deep in the uh, circuit event at Coconut Creek. He played okay. in that and. Uh, I don't know if Rob played there or not. I don't know exactly what Rob's doing right now, but uh, he will play in these events, and uh, you know he'll even play in a few charity events here. And there exactly. And That's why I'm saying it. I'm, I'm, I thought maybe they had been out of town, play, play, traveling and playing somewhere else because we're usually mentioning their names quite a bit. Yeah. And I ran, I ran by uh, the grinder when I was leaving uh, Hard Rock one day uh, during the Lucky Hearts, and he was just coming in and. Gave me a fist bump on the uh, escalator there by the <laughs> parking garage. As you were going in opposite directions. <laughs> exactly, huh? exactly. You could get, they're all good guys. Those guys uh, I really enjoy uh, watching them play. Uh, let's take a break here in the show. A couple things I do want to talk about tonight that we'll uh, tease right here. Uh, the Women's Poker Hall of Fame finalists. We uh, mentioned how people could nominate their favorites. Uh, the finalists have been named. I want to go over that. Uh, WSOP Europe has put out their dates for later in the fall, uh, October, uh, late October, early November. Uh, the Las Vegas Hard Rock. I don't know if this uh, Hard Rock organization that here was part of that, if they, they bought that I as part think, of it. I think that's one of the properties they kept when they made that deal is that the not, it's not uh, associated with the Seminoles. Okay, it may not be. But, I'm almost but, certain of but that. But that was sold last week to none other than Richard Branson. Uh, of Virgin, uh, Airlines. Virgin Airlines, and uh, obviously uh, a lot of stuff over the years, but uh, they bought it, and uh, he has promised to put a lot of money into the place, so we'll see what happens with that, but 
Um, you know, we're talking, to, uh, I don't know, if, let's see if I can get the number here exactly, but he says uh, he's definitely going to put some big money into it, and we'll see what happens. I don't see it right now, but I'll, I'll get to that when we talk about it later in the show. Uh, and, uh, you know, a bunch of things happening in uh, different places. I also want to talk about uh, something called uh, the, the, the Big Blind Ante, and uh, it seems to be the trend that we're moving to and, and how that affects the game. I've, so already, think about that I've already been dealing with that. Well, I dealt with it before. Uh, you're talking about one Annie big blind posting it? Right. Yeah. It's, it, it saves a lot of time. It saves time, and it's uh, positive for the game, but it can also play the way you play when you're on the button. It could, but I'll address a couple of interesting okay. uh, features when we when you want to talk about We'll get this. that into the show and a few other things. Uh, as we head to break, just tell you that the next big tournament for the Isle coming up, big one at the end of this month, April 26th through the 29th, three starting flight flights, flights on Thursday through Saturday. Uh, it's called the uh, $1,100 buy-in, no limit hold'em, single ante tournament. Uh, single ante, big blind ante, same thing? I would imagine it yeah, is. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, 200,000 guaranteed prize pool and 30,000 units. That starts on April the 26th. So let's go to break. We'll be back with more of the show. When we return, you're listening to Poker Action Line, and we'll be right back. This is Poker Action Line. This is Big Dave for PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com. Want to know what's really cool? Your charitable tax-deductible donation every time you play. PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com, the feel-good gateway to fun and prizes. Play free. Learn our system. Get 50,000 free chips and play for prizes. Play for scholarships that benefit Caribbean students. PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com. Take it from Big Dave. A win for you is a donation to Caribbean education. PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com. It is with sound mind and body that I, James Fredericks III, after fighting with all direct family members for decades, leave my entire fortune of $32 million to the one friend I had in the end, the package delivery guy, Matt Songer. Woohoo! Yeah! I had a feeling about this. Uh-huh. I'm rich! Oh, this cannot be happening. Actually, it's not happening. What? What? And it never will. I don't get it. There aren't even people here. That's just one of those murmuring sound effects. Seriously? Listen, if you want to have money in your future, don't rely on luck. Huh. Put ten bucks away each month. Cook once in a while instead of eating out. Okay. Pay down your high-interest credit cards. Right. Small changes today, big bucks tomorrow. So, no inheritance? Uh, no. Go to FeedThePig.org for more free ideas. Feed the pig. This message brought to you by the American Institute of Certified Public Accountants and the Ad Council. And just to be clear, no inheritance, right? It's tough to break into a career. Everybody wants to hire someone with experience. So how can you get experience if no one will hire you? Employers like to see that you've done the hands-on work. In the Guard, you can get paid training in your specialty. Then go out and apply those skills in the civilian world. I wouldn't be where I am today without the Guard. I'm serving my country, and I'm succeeding in the National Guard. Call 1-800-GO-GUARD and ask how you can get the job skills you need for the career you always wanted in the National Guard. Welcome back to the show. Big Dave and Joe talking poker as usual, just kind of uh, shooting the breeze about different things. Uh, later on, we'll talk about the Women in Poker Hall of Fame. Kind of funny, there was some uh, people... Uh, this is something to think about for later in the show, but uh, some of the people said, what about Andy Duke? And uh, and she was not nominated. I, and I, I saw a clause in, in their ruling that, uh, you know, what you need to do. And uh, one of the uh, notes on the Women's Poker Hall of Fame website says, player or industry leader candidate must be a proponent of women in poker, i.e. refrain from publicly criticizing women's tournaments. <laughs> and that might have eliminated her right there because she was never a fan of uh, separate women's tournaments. But uh, Now, was that always in there by I law? think so. I believe so. You know, for I, the I could for be wrong, qualifications for the Hall of Fame? I could be wrong. I but mean, yeah, you know, we... We we also know why Annie Duke is also uh, the the very famous sister of Howard. Yeah, and uh, you know, with what he's gone through, so I don't know. It's uh, she definitely was one of during her her heyday. Yeah, I mean, I mean it certainly belongs in any Hall of Fame. Exactly. We'll, we'll get back to that. The top of the of, of the ladder for women in poker, whether you agreed with her politics or not. Right. We'll get back to that, but I wanted to talk about, uh, before I do, uh, just mention about the World Series of Poker Europe, which will be later this year. 
Uh, it will return to Razvedov Raz, uh, in the Czech Republic uh, to the King's Casino there, owned by uh, Leon uh, Sukernik. Well, let me ask you something with Mr. Leon Sukernik. Did he ever straighten out that scenario? I know a couple had? of Isn't those lawsuit lawsuits were today? dismissed, and uh, I know his was his suit was dismissed, and then. I don't know if the other guys uh, who filed the countersuit, I think one of those was thrown out. I don't know if he ever paid up or not. I think one of them, didn't one of them address that he never had any intention of paying any losses? Uh, Wasn't it don't that recall along that, that thing Don't recall there? that exactly. I made me mistake. But obviously, book. from the press release from uh, WSOP people, they don't really mention any of that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Just well, listen, I would imagine they did their thorough uh, yeah. re- research and to make sure that they're bringing it back over there. We know how beautiful that place is. Yeah, first-class facility. And uh, uh, they now have a hotel on premises after their full renovation is there. They have more than 200 tables, and uh, cash games running around the clock. Uh, the quote from Ty Stewart was that King's Casino has been a terrific host, and with their expansion complete, we're pleased to commit to holding WSOP Europe annually each October. So it could be a permanent shot there for them. Good for both of them. Um, there will be uh, a film. It will be filmed for television, and uh, there will be uh, some uh, live reporting and live streaming coverage as well. It's right near the German border, by the way, between Prague and Munich. Uh, and it's a pretty central location in Europe, so that's the good thing there, and they have a good relationship with him. But I wanted to move on and talk about this big blind ante because that's coming to the World Series of Poker this year. It's something that has been out there on the fringes, and basically the only, it's really players are basically treated equally because each time, uh, instead of anting around the table, the same amount is just put up by the big blind. By the big blind or the button? No, it's actually the big blind. Oh, I'm sorry that I was. I think I said. I think we said button on the first time, but it's actually the big blind. Okay. So that is that plays into the strategy of the game. For instance, uh, if if you're at the point of a tournament where uh, the blinds are 500 and a thousand, and the ante's 100, the big blind actually has to put up 2,000 chips. You know, which is uh, which is pretty substantial and uh, may cause you to play your hand a little bit differently. A hand that you might fold if there's a couple of raises out there in well, front the of you. Well, the big blind you had to stick post in. that amount anyway. You did, There's but when you're in the small blind, whether you wanted to c- cover the play when you're in the weakest position, right? you understand? I mean, the big blind was going to have to have that play that anyway, and I would assume action starts you know, uh, under the gun uh, from the big blind. So the only thing you're saving there, Dave, is that small blind and whether to complete it if no one has raised right. or whether it just sits there as dead money because people are coming after that blind money real you, quick. You said in your experiences in the well, past, has it well, been the button that put well, up the, the ante? Yeah, some of the big games. That's that, a single ante. In fact, that might be what this other tournament at the island Okay, was. because let me tell you, and I like that because what it is, it's almost like um, you know uh, the button was um, – what do you, you'll forgive me, I'm, I'm having that senior moment right now when someone straddles. Okay. Okay, when someone straddles. So what they were doing is, uh, you know, the in this one particular game that I was in, uh, the under the gun was forced to straddle $25. So instead of having that done like that, the button straddles, now whoever was going to be the original small blind followed by the big blind were just the next two to act in, in right. progression. You know, and it just saved a lot of time. Now, if someone else wants to restraddle, which sometimes occurred because these guys were playing, you know, <laughs> crazy poker for some part, for some part of it. But uh, you know, it just actually saved a lot of time when someone got away from the table. None of these players are stepping away from the table to, you know, uh, avoid putting up a, you know, ten dollars. Or fifteen dollars, you know, whatever the blind was, because it didn't really matter to these guys to be, you know, right. and they all understood that. Sometimes people would miss the blind, you know, even being the button altogether. No one would say anything when the guy sat down again, once again, because none of this was done to avoid anything like they are in some of the other games where people are just trying to gain an advantage. Right. 
Thus, you put the miss blind buttons out there and everything else. Well, the other thing is, uh, you know, there's people like me who play mostly online and uh, go to a live tournament, and you know, all that stuff is done for you on the on the, ga- in the games when you play exactly. online. Exactly. So now, once we get to the annies, you know, I'll be I'll be the last one to annie or the the, the one who forgets, and then the dealer, you know, gets a little irritated. He has to ask you to continuously. But you're talking your about ante. a tournament. Most of these were in live games, and usually. The people would immediately, you know, listen, if you're playing with these guys, hey, Dave, don't forget the blind. Yeah. Dave, don't forget the blind. You understand? Every time it was your turn to, to small or big blind, there somebody's going to be reminding you, unlike in a tournament, you know, where you don't know anybody. And, and these ca- and I, the game I was mentioning, talking to you about was a cash game. Yeah. So, well, just the fact, uh, and you've been a dealer for, for most of your adult life, and uh, just the fact of... Reaching out, and I know that some of these women that deal have short arms and, and really have a problem reaching the chips, but to have to go around and drag them all in and put them in the pot seems like not a big deal, but it does take time, and, and you could save a lot of time by not having that. Exactly. Well, yes, if, if you're going to have just the button do the ante and then you have your regular small and big blind, stuff like that, I, have se- I had seen that many years ago in, uh, in California. Uh, because, see, I'm, I'm kind of, in my mind, I'm getting confused because you are saying ante, and I'm thinking of the blinds, and they're obviously two different things because in a right. tournament, there does come a point, obviously, that every player has to start to ante. Right. It would definitely save a ton of time if only the button had to ante, you know, for the whole table, you know, obviously once every nine hands or ten hands, Depending on how many people are on that are on that table, so right. that definitely, to me, as a dealer and as a uh, you know former director, manager, whatever you want to call me, I like that a whole lot more. You, you you, there, there's also the the possibility that someone forgets. The dealer doesn't notice which one it was right away, and yeah, then there's and an argument. That they, I, I, I put mine out there. I absolutely, swear. because the dealer starts swiping them in. Then you count the pot, and you realize, oh, good Lord, somebody did one. not. And now you can't figure out who it is. And, you know, you do that enough, the blame falls on you as the dealer. Yeah. But how about play? Uh, you know, for instance, the scenario I mentioned, uh, you know, when you're putting 2,000 into a pot instead of the normal 1,000 big blind, you know, that's going to affect maybe whether you uh, match a raise well, on a, the first time well, around. Well, y- yes, it, it it definitely adds a little extra pressure, but remember, it's true of everybody. So every hand, let's assume every hand, you, you know, for nine hands, you were going to be putting up uh, $100 ante. When the button comes to you, it's $1,000 now because you're putting up the ante for all the other nine players plus yourself. So you're putting up $1,000, but for the other nine, you're not putting up the, the 100 It's costing you the exact same. Yeah. Can it change your style of play on that one particular hand? I would say yes and no. Yeah. I, you know, um, yes in the sense that you've put up a thousand, you've got position. So now is the time, this is the best time for you to be aggressive unless someone in front of you has already shown a lot of aggression. And there's where the double edged sword comes from. By you putting up a thousand, some people may see that you you don't defend it too often, so they may attack that. But you know, again, position, you know, force blind bet, you know, force blind ante. Uh, it, it's almost like you're going through. Think about it, because at the time you get hit with that, let's assume that number I told you is a thousand. You were just a big blind. You were just a little blind, yeah. and now you're posting that. Yeah. So there's three continual hands. Out of, let's assume, a full table of 10 that you've had to put dead money into a pot. And there's also a point in the tournament when you have a short stack, you may not have enough to cover the the, the, the antis. It, that could be very They say true. here that if a player does not have the required amount for both the big blind and the ante, the big blind will be paid first, followed by what's left. Right, and here's the difference. And, and that's a very good point, Dave, because if you're shorthanded, okay, and all you have left is a thousand. Well, you're putting that thousand in there, and now people have basically a free shot at you to play that. While if you had, you could put up, you know, you could raise, and you could get people to fold. You'd be clearing nine hundred and annies from the other players, not to mention the blinds, because they know you looked at your hand and you made that move. Granted, short stack people, it's not a big difference, 
but it could definitely be a hand or two that you could steal the blinds, I mean, steal the blinds and steal the annies from everybody else. But if you do it when it's your turn to be the big blind and put up all the right. ante money, you're not really taking any money from anybody else. Uh, when, where will they use it uh, out there at the World Series this year? In eight of the 78 gold bracelet events, uh, including uh, the 100,000 high roller, there's some of the smaller events like the 1,500 and 1,000. Uh, they will also use it in the million-dollar buy-in big one-for-one drop. So uh, a lot of different tournaments they'll be using that in. They'll use it in the 4 p.m. daily deep stacks, which is a $200 buy-in, and the 10 p.m., which is a 150 buy-in. They'll use it in all of those, and then a lot of the mega satellites uh, in the pavilion room, they'll be using it as well. I guess uh, we're going to have to wait, Dave. I think we're going to have to wait and see how some of these tournaments play out when people get short-stacked and see if it changes their their method of play. Yeah. Okay, well, we'll see how it happens. And, of course, we'll be obviously uh, talking about it uh, when the series gets here, which is uh, just around the corner now, uh, late late May. It gets underway. Of course, the Super High Roller Bowl will also be right around that uh, time at the... uh, at the Aria from uh, May 27th through the 30th. We're just uh, in early April now, so we still got a little bit of time to think about it, but we'll talk about some of that later down the road. Uh, I do want to talk a little bit about the Women's Poker Hall of Fame. Uh, let's see if there's a couple other things I did want to cover here. Uh, there's also a book coming out that I wanted to mention, uh, which is kind of interesting. Uh, the name of the book, and it's a it's a compilation of stories from uh, several different writers, but the name of the book is uh, He Played for His Wife and Other Stories. <laughs> Short Stories of Long Nights at the Poker Table. And there's a lot of different ones. Maria Ho, or I'm not, not Maria Ho, I'm sorry. Uh, Jennifer Tilly, actually, the actress, actually wrote one of the stories. Barney Boatman wrote one of them. James McManus, who a lot of people are familiar with, uh, Positively Fifth Street, uh, which was his uh, big book about his uh, event years ago as he uh, played in the World Series of Poker, one of the top uh, poker books out there. Uh, also uh, wrote one of the stories. But I guess there's some really interesting stories. And um, the the uh, reviews have been pretty good. It goes uh, on full release uh, on May 29th, so still a little while before that comes out. But... Uh, I don't know. Do you do you read much? Uh, do you like poker fiction at all? Uh, yeah, I I probably don't have the time. I, yeah. <laughs> now these are all these are all uh, they're all poker based uh, fiction. Fiction. So it, it has a little bit of truth in it. Yeah, I'm sure it does. In fact, uh, they said that the Jennifer Tilly piece was uh, semi autobiographical. I guess there's probably a lot of facts out of her career that. Uh, she she is not one that normally uh, has been one to put out a lot of creativity on her own. Uh, you know, obviously a tremendous actress, but not on the literary arena. Her her story is called Once More Into the Abyss, and uh, it's about a woman who plays in mid roller games in Hollywood, and and about an acquaintance she has that that climbs into fortune. So, uh, you know. It's 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 a there's an eventual Dave, robbery in the game and uh, it's Dave, kind of let interesting. let me tell you something. I could write many of those. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not kidding. I could write many of those from when I was playing. You know, and I you know listen. I've never played at the level that Jennifer Tilly did. Uh, those you know she's played in a lot of nosebleed games and you know higher limit games like that and some of these other players. But you know I have range from you know, playing college games. You know that uh, you know you, you you called your own your own game. You know you play uh, follow the queen and you play all of these. And we have some very very interesting stories, all the way up to some of the house games that I dealt at on the beach down here. And uh, can't get into really a lot of detail, <laughs> but I I know I can I can weave a, a heck of a story. Yeah, I'm sure uh, you can. You know. Uh, fiction, based on a lot of uh, based on a lot of truths and a lot of facts. Uh, there's also a story by Lucy Porter called Lady Luck. That's a story about an actress who uh, has lost her uh, popularity in the uh, acting world and wants to try to regain some of her celebrity by uh, playing in a celebrity poker tournament. Kind of interesting. Yeah, yeah. 
I, I, I'm telling you, Dave, uh, uh, some of these stories I'll be able to mention to you off the air, and you let me know. <laughs> you let me know if you think they would be uh, something that people would be interested in in, in reading about. I'm yeah. telling you, 17 stories in all, and uh, I, I do see a release date here in the states of April 24th. This has already been released overseas in Europe, but uh, uh, in Great Britain and that sort of thing. But uh, uh, look, I think I'm going to pick it up and see maybe we can get one of the authors on the show. But we'll check that out. Anyway, let's take a break here on the show. We'll come back and uh, do a segment on the uh, Women's Poker Hall of Fame. And one other hand I wanted to get to, in fact, we might do that first, that uh, was just published in uh, Poker News. It came out of uh, the big uh, event in China, the WSOP China. So I want to run that down. involved uh, Dan Cates and uh, Dominic Nietzsche. It was actually the Super High Roller Bowl in China, not uh, not uh, World Series. But uh, he talks extensively about this hand, and I want to get your analysis on All that right, as well. Very good. Okay, we'll be back after this. Uh, you're listening to Poker Action Line. You can always pick us up on Hold'em Radio Network as a good place. And uh, SoundCloud, probably one of the best we recommend because uh, you certainly could tweet uh, uh, and out to your friends if you like the show, and we, we'd love to have you do that. So we'll be back. We'll, we'll come back with another segment and when we return. Uh, Big Dave and Joe from South Florida, and we'll be back after these messages. This is Poker Action Line. Hi, this is Big Dave from PokerActionLineRadio.com. I want to let all avid poker players know about a great new lottery game that was developed by one of our sponsors, Atlantic West Management Group. This game is now available worldwide on the Internet. It will be served as Place Your Chips Caribbean and operated on the Internet as an international lottery by Atlantic West. The Texas Hold'em poker-like game is perfectly legal everywhere and presented as a lottery game with tickets available on the Internet. You can win pick six lottery tickets and cash prizes by using your poker playing skills. It's open to lottery players worldwide, and right now this game is in a play-for-free test mode, and you are not obligated to purchase anything. You can get 50,000 free play chips per ticket for the purpose of evaluating the game with no prizes awarded until the game goes live. The lottery customer could purchase a ticket with a unique number that will grant them entry into one of many Texas Hold'em poker tables. With a chip stack and like a lottery game, the prize value will be based on ticket sales. That chip stack will be valid for the remainder of the week as players can access the site as often as they like to try and take the chip lead. At the end of the week, the highest chip stacks will be awarded lottery prizes. And if you lose all your chips, the lottery ticket becomes null and void. As with regular lottery games, you can purchase as many entries as you like. However, each ticket stands on its own merit, and much like the regular lottery, the results of multiple tickets cannot be combined toward a prize. The name of this game is Place Your Chips Caribbean. You can access a live demonstration of the game right now at www.placeyourchipscaribbean.com. We believe that when it goes live soon, there will be a heavy demand for this game, as most lottery players would much rather have some say in the outcome of their lottery result. Their odds of winning are greatly improved if they're able to utilize their playing skills in order to increase their chances of winning. I hope that you will try the Play for Free demonstration and hope that you will join us when the Play for Real game becomes available later this year. WFO Radio NHRA Nitro is all about the NHRA Full Throttle Drag Racing Series. Join Joe at 7 p.m. Eastern each Tuesday night for the first edition of NHRA Nitro. Featuring the NHRA's Alan Reinhardt. Race winners stop by to talk about bringing home the Wally. Every Tuesday night, following NHRA national events, NHRA Nitro is available on demand anytime on the WFO radio application and at WFORadio.com. Welcome back to the show. Big Dave and Joe uh, from South Florida and uh, another edition of Poker Action Line. Uh, thanks to uh, Joe Costello stepping in and handling the show for us tonight. Uh, appreciate it. Uh, Gio will be back next week. Uh, a lot of us have uh, things that we have to leave town for, or it could just be something health-wise occasionally. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> since there's uh, involves uh, four or five of us, uh, you know, it can affect the show. And uh, uh, appreciate all the flexibility. And uh, hopefully have, if it's there for one, you. We have a wonderful radio family right here. We do. We've always taken care of each other one way or the other. Yeah, so we do. This is a, a wonderful dynamics for me here, guys. Okay. Yeah, he, he's out because of weakness. <laughs> <laughs> he's not gonna like that when he hears. 
he may not hear it, though. I don't know <laughs> if he listens to the show outside of when he's here. Uh, talking about a hand from the Super High Roller Bowl China, uh, Dominic Nietzsche against Daniel Cates. And uh, there are about 60 big blinds deep. This is about halfway through day one. Uh, big high roller tournament, uh, obviously, but... Uh, they, uh, you know, obviously uh, it's a hand that could happen in anything. But uh, he was up against Cates, and uh, we know Dan Cates is a very famous uh, online player known as Jungle Man 12, uh, and Nietzsche, uh, one of the fine European players. But uh, Cates uh, raised the button two times the big blind, okay. and uh, Nietzsche called with ace-deuce offsuit, okay. ace of spades. Uh, he said he calls it a pretty standard call and uh, really no need to three bet. Uh, he's looking at Kate saying he has a pretty wide range from the button. Yep. Uh, he's a, has a cash game background. And he said my estimate was that he'd be op- opening roughly 60% of the hands here. Uh, the flop came 10, uh, I guess 10 of hearts, uh, and then ace 7 of spades. I'd like that flop if I was Nietzsche. He said I checked. He said I'm never leading here. And uh, Kate's checked behind. Uh, it's a board he, where he's not going to be in continuation bet uh, mode, but he would see bet some hands, but he said I'd expect him to bet uh, a lot of tens or better and yep. check a lot of middle pairs. Uh, I'd also expect him to check jack ten and a few flush draws, but not too many uh, at this point. He said the way most people play, they don't tend to check flush draws as often as they should, and I do think they should check some of the time. I actually had that ace of spades in my hand, which meant he couldn't have the ace-eye flush draw. Uh, he said, I'm already thinking that he has, uh, if the turn were a spade, especially a high spade, including king, queen, or jack, the better it would be for me. Because I would expect him to try to build the hand, build the pot. Uh, as it turned, it was the king of spades. So... He said, my first thought was that was a card uh, I didn't want to be betting very often, but at the same time, I did have uh, the ace to do, so I think I should bet. He said, I could check call. That would be fine. also think there were better hands that uh, he could check call. But he said, there would be more reasonable hands to check call. So I decided to bet roughly 85% of the pot, and Daniel called. Now, the river is the th- a three, offsuit three. Uh, I don't expect him to have an advantage in any way where he has more than a one-pair hand. Uh, He's going to have a king quite often, which in my opinion should be a bluff catcher against my bet because I'm never betting worse than a king. If I have ace-10, I'm not ever betting the turn that big. I think a 10 for the most part is just a check. So I either have two-pair or better in the end, and I can have jack-9 and all combinations of 9-6. It's important to know that my bottom hands in some may must be two hands or better, two pair or better. Uh, I'm not even sure I could be betting a hand such as Ace Seven suited. I believe that might be the stone bottom of my range. Uh, I decided I should have two bet sizings: one where I bet a really strong two pair hand, and one where I bet my flushes and straights. With the latter hands, ones that I think are effectively in the nuts, I want to bet more than the size of the pot because I force him then to bluff catch. And when he's going to show up there with a hand like 9-10 with a spade or king with a spade, uh, I, want, I want to make him bluff catch. It's important to me that, I hold the, uh, that I'm holding the ace because conceivably I could play a lot of nut flushes and nut flush draws in that way. Um, I bet the ace uh, on the turn only when I have a deuce 3, 4, or 5 as my second card. So he's looking at a lot of different possibilities of which he would approach the hand. Uh, when, the, when the three comes out on the river, uh, I decide I wouldn't need to bluff because I do gain some showdown value and could beat some hands like ace-jack or ace-queen or other hands with a spade. But on the river, I decide I would like, uh, or what he decides to do, I should say, is, uh, is he bets roughly one and a half times the size of the pot here. And if I do that, he's going to have to fold a lot of hands because I'm representing the flush. That's my goal, to represent flushes and possibly straights. So that's what I did. And he called me with 9-8 without a spade blocker, which I think is a clear mistake as he didn't block any of my flush cards. 
If he had 9-8 with one spade, that would be a better call as he could reduce the chance of having a flush by quite a bit. When you're bluff catching, it's especially important to be aware of what your opponent is trying to represent and block that card accordingly. Uh, Good players are not just going to take the ace of spades and run with it. They're also going to look at their second card. Uh, because you don't look at your, because if you don't look at your second card, you're going to show up with too many bluffs. That's one lesson I take away from this hand. Uh, is a good way to keep your ranges in order and not over bluff is to stick with the ace uh, offsuit hands and don't have an, that don't have any showdown value and the ones that don't block any of their folding range as well. Uh, also, you have to keep in mind that sometimes you want to check those hands in the turn. And it's not just about the bluff, but also protecting your range on the turn when it goes check-check. If you always bet the ace on the turn and the river becomes a spade, then you're basically in a terrible situation. Yeah, you don't know where your opponent is, obviously. Uh, So it doesn't really explain, you know, how it ended up, I guess. uh, He's just explaining to you his thought thought process. His thought process, right. And, you know, which, which is great. I would have loved to have had, like you said, a finale to that. To, it's like hearing a story and not knowing what the ending is yeah. as to whether it was successful in this particular instance. So, yeah. you know, I, I love, you know, the way that he explains it. For novice players, they could they could start getting a concept, uh, you know, into the mind of a very good player and how that player perceives his opponents and how they would play the hand and his reasoning behind his all the different moves at, at, on each street, but I would have really loved to have heard how that that ended. Well, obviously, uh, Kate's won the hand because he was holding nine eight, and uh, the, he had a straight on the flop, and, and the flush never came out. No, well, no, I thought the flop was ace ten seven. No, it was ten eight seven eight ten eight seven ten. Oh, I thought you said ace. Oh, you'll forgive me. No, I he was holding, and he was holding the ace of spades. He uh, was Nietzsche. Hold- he was holding the ace. I'm of spades. sorry. I understood this from the very beginning that it was an ace ten seven that had flopped. No, eight eight ten seven. Eight ten seven. So. Okay. So obviously he's looking to try to since he held the ace of spades he wanted that four spade and then he if he held on long enough he would obviously take the hand but uh, uh, I'm sure that once they got once the river came out as a three then he had to end up folding. Oh okay. See see I, that's that's a different thing to me because. I honestly thought that you oh, okay. had mentioned Ace Ten Seven as the flop, not Eight Ten Seven, and uh, I said, okay, well, he's got the pair of aces. Now that the third spade hits, he's got the aces, no kicker, but he's got the nut flush draw, and he was just trying to draw his opponent. Right, in. that's almost a more interesting uh, scenario. Well, that's what I thought we. <laughs> that's what I honestly thought we were listening to there. So. Uh, he was just explaining why he continued his actions the way they right. were because of him holding the ace of spades. I, okay, I apologize. I, I misunderstood. Anyway, um, you know, I, I think it's nice when you get experienced players that actually write up their thoughts because so many times people don't really want to talk about that stuff. No, and they don't want to give away their own secrets. Right. Now, I mean, not to say secrets, but... They don't want to give away any insight into their thought process as to how they view out of position, button raise to a big blind, you know, and and his whole thought process. I would imagine the top pros that he plays against kind of already have, I don't want to say a complete line on them, but, but you know, uh, an inkling as to how he plays his hands. But I think so, too. I, this, these are the things that I love to, to, to read. And, again, unfortunately, I misheard what you said. But as a player, these are the things that I love to hear. Because I want to hear the thought process that goes behind the, the, the actions right. that are there and, and why that player did that. And, obviously, when it's you know, a player who's playing at, at the best level, the top level of the, of the, of the game, you can do nothing but learn from that. You know, when they break those things down, it's like it's like hearing from a great professor in, 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 in college or going to a great school. You know, listen, it's time to take notes, pay attention, and try to get better. Yeah, exactly. Uh, one other thing I want to mention before we take our final break here. Um, Ness Riley uh, 
finished fourth in that big uh, Seminole Hard Rock tournament. Her husband also plays Tim Riley, and they had played. This was kind of interesting. They had, uh, you know, we think about the story from years ago when I was out there in 2012 with uh, Doc Sands and Erica Matino, his his girlfriend and later his wife. But uh, they made it down to 29th and 30th place in the main event that one year, and they were playing at the same table next to each other. Well, this was another tournament out there in Vegas at Planet Hollywood during the during the circuit, and they both were at the same table. Uh, she had a much smaller stack left, sixty six thousand, and they were uh, they were seated at the same table. So uh, he ends up knocking her out of the tournament. Uh, he had uh, pocket threes. She had ace ten offsuit. So kind of a race basically yeah. situation there and. Uh, uh, Ness was knocked out of the tournament there, so you wonder how that uh, comes back later in the night in their personal life. <laughs> is, is he cut off for a week or what? I don't know what that happens on that. Uh, she finished in 46th place for 3,200. He finished in 26th for 5,800. Um but My guess is there's an exchange of cash. I'm sure. <laughs> uh, they're from Massachusetts. And uh, years ago, well, not years ago, the 2015 WSOP, he finished 360th, and she finished 244th. So there is some bragging rights back and forth there, which is probably kind of cool. But uh, That's going to happen, Dave, whenever you have a, a poker-playing couple. Yeah. Uh, and it's funny, this fellow brings up his this uh, story, which I thought was pretty hilarious. Back in 2010, there was a $1,000 buy-in tournament, and both uh, a father and son, Irving and Rich Rice, made the final table out of a tournament that had like 4,400 players. Both made the final players. And uh, the elder Rice, was uh, the father, was left short-stacked after being blinded off because his son failed to wake him up from a nap. Oh, to come back and play it. the tournament. <laughs> that I'd be a little pissed off yeah, about. You uh, know, you that know. I, first of all, I'd be looking for my dad to just say, what's wrong? Why isn't he here? Yeah. But, all right. But still, the best one has still got to be the grinders at the uh, Poker the, Players the Championship. Brothers, yeah. uh, oh, uh, Rob uh, Rob uh, getting knocked out by, yeah, by uh, Michael. By Michael on the final table in a tournament that Michael eventually went on to win. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Rob finished fifth. Uh, okay, let's take our final break. We'll be back. We'll talk a little bit about the Women's Poker Hall of Fame nominations. When we return, you're listening to Poker Action Line, and we'll be back after these messages. This is Poker Action Line. Hi, this is Big Dave from PokerActionLineRadio.com. I want to let all avid poker players know about a great new lottery game that was developed by one of our sponsors, Atlantic West Management Group. This game is now available worldwide on the Internet. It will be served as Place Your Chips Caribbean and operated on the Internet as an international lottery by Atlantic West. The Texas Hold'em poker-like game is perfectly legal everywhere and presented as a lottery game with tickets available on the Internet. You can win pick six lottery tickets and cash prizes by using your poker playing skills. It's open to lottery players worldwide, and right now this game is in a play-for-free test mode, and you are not obligated to purchase anything. You can get 50,000 free play chips per ticket for the purpose of evaluating the game with no prizes awarded until the game goes live. The lottery customer can purchase a ticket with a unique number that will grant them entry into one of many Texas Hold'em poker tables with a chip stack and like a lottery game, the prize value will be based on ticket sales. That chip stack will be valid for the remainder of the week as players can access the site as often as they like to try and take the chip lead. At the end of the week, the highest chip stacks will be awarded lottery prizes, and if you lose all your chips, the lottery ticket becomes null and void. As with regular lottery games, you can purchase as many entries as you like. However, each ticket stands on its own merit, and much like the regular lottery, the results of multiple tickets cannot be combined toward a prize. The name of this game is Place Your Chips Caribbean, you can access a live demonstration of the game right now at www.placeyourchipscaribbean.com. We believe that when it goes live soon, there will be a heavy demand for this game, as most lottery players would much rather have some say in the outcome of their lottery result. Their odds of winning are greatly improved if they're able to utilize their playing skills in order to increase their chances of winning. I hope that you will try the Play for Free demonstration, and hope that you will join us when the Play for Real game becomes available later this year. Final segment of the show, as we finish things up here for another edition of Poker Action Line. The Women in Poker Hall of Fame has been around since 2008. 
they are, you know, they had they allowed uh, people to write in online and, and make some suggestions, but they've come up with their 11 finalists, uh, and the voting will take place uh, by April 15th, and the winners will be announced in, uh, I guess, May. Uh, the official ceremony is not until June out at the World Series of Poker, the 26th of June, 11 a.m. at Orleans. And the luncheon is open to the public, and you can buy tickets for that as well. Uh, each panel member on the, of the voting members uh, has 10 votes to distribute as they see fit. Give all 10 to one lady or uh, vote for 10 different people or a few here and a few there. Uh, again, what do you have to achieve to, to get it, gain entry? Uh, good question. Or total amount I of votes? Don't know if there's just two that go in. Let's see. Because that's what's been happening in the Poker Hall of Fame. Nah, it doesn't really say uh, how many people exactly, but the top vote getters, whether they uh, have a certain number or not, I don't know. Uh, usually it's uh, two, but we'll see what happens. Uh, just to look at the candidates, uh, some of them you may have heard of, some of them you haven't. Uh, Ermans Bloom. Uh, who worked with Poker Stars for years and is from France, is one of the nominees. Mandy Glogo um, was, uh, is a part of the WPT television show production team. Haley Hintz, a writer, a great writer that uh, has a lot of really interesting stuff online. In fact, I uh, really would love to have her on the show. Uh, has written thousands of articles, and she uh, did a lot of investigative reporting about the uh, insider cheating scandals. Uh, surrounding Black Friday. Angelica Hale, uh, who works for the WPT as well, and I've uh, dealt with her before at several tournaments. She's a very nice person. Uh, she got her start at the Aussie Millions uh, and has worked uh, for global tour management for the WPT and uh, has contributed to their expansion into Asia, Africa, and South America. Maria Ho, uh, someone more recognizable, obviously is a TV personality now, and uh, has won many tournaments before. Uh, has been the last woman standing. I at was several just about, tournaments. To, about to mention that she, especially in the main event, too, a few times. So. And she's on the broadcast team for ESPN uh, as well. Has over 2.7 million in turning in uh, tournament earnings. Uh, Karina Jett, a professional player, obviously uh, uh, played a lot of seven card stud years ago. But she has four final table finishes at the ladies' event and uh, is married to Chip Jet. She uh, also coordinates Annie Up for Autism, the charity event. Terry King, professional poker player, uh, in her early years and then uh, became a uh, career, uh, had a career as a poker dealer, tournament director, and floor person. Uh, she did win a, a women, uh, WSOP bracelet in 1978 and uh, more recently has worked at the Bike in Hollywood Park in Los Angeles. Shirley Rosario, uh, active for over 25 years, um, won the back-to-back Cal State Poker Championship horse titles in 2009-2010 and was one of the original hosts of Live at the Bike. Kara Scott, who works on the uh, WSOP broadcast now, obviously, and has been with many different tour events, uh, she anchored uh, the WSOP broadcast for several years and has hosted the uh, American Poker Awards. Lupi Soto is uh, the, the starter of the LIPS Tour, the Ladies International Poker Series, and has done a lot to uh, promote uh, poker in the world and serves as CEO of Poker Gives. And finally, number 11 is uh, Jennifer Tilly, who we all know is a famous actress for many. She's written about it. It's she wrote in this latest book. I wrote a column for Bluff Magazine for 10 years and and uh, has been a well-known player on Poker and Night and in America. And a bracelet winner also. Yes. So, so uh, those are the ladies that uh, will be nominated, and we'll hear from that uh, in uh, later in the month, uh, April, uh, late April, I guess, maybe. Well, the, the official announcement is in May, but uh, the votes will all be in, in late April, and maybe we'll hear something a little bit sooner. Well, congratulations to all the nominees. Well, we always like to recognize the women in poker, and, uh, you know, we'll have uh, the regular Poker Hall of Fame. We'll have some announcements this summer and uh, induction again as well, so we'll get uh, some of that information as well. Excellent, excellent. Well, good luck, ladies. Absolutely. And again, congratulations to all the nominees. 
Anyway, that's going to do it for our show. Uh, looking forward, we want to give you just a little information on the Seminole Poker uh, Hard Rock and uh, the Hard Rock Showdown. And uh, we'll finish things up here very shortly. Uh, but tomorrow, the 5th, April 5th, it will be... Uh, will be the opening event getting underway. Six sessions, two each day for the next three days, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. And then the main event later on, on the 13th. Uh, as we mentioned, the seniors event is tomorrow, uh, April the 5th. And the uh, Omaha uh, 8 or better begins on Friday. And uh, a lot of events along the way. See if there's any other highlights I can point out for you. The uh, WPT uh, Deep Stacks Tournament. $1,100 buy-in starts on April the 9th, and a lot of great tournaments. The final day where they have this live stream is going to be April the 18th. So uh, plenty of other things as well. You can get all that information at SeminoleHardRockPokerOpen.com. Excellent. That's going to do it for the show. We'll be back uh, next week with more, and uh, hope Gio's feeling better, and we'll get him back here in the studio next week. And look, look forward to another edition. We're working on some guests for you as well, which we'll have upcoming and uh, you can always pick up our stuff on Facebook and uh, Twitter and uh, other places. Uh, go to iTunes and uh, rate the show. We'd like to have you do that as well. That's going to do it for us. We'll be bo- we're back next week with another edition of the show, and we'll catch you then. The views and opinions of the hosts, guests, or callers are not necessarily those of the station, its owners, advertisers, or agencies.